prepare uh, yourselves in your hymnal and on the screen to respond to the reading of the Pentecost story with uh, one verse of Sweet, Sweet Spirit on 334 of your hymnal. And I'm going to ask you to find it in your hymnal because on the same page is number 335, which is a prayer that I would like us to say in unison uh, of story. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, they being the believers and the apostles. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, with a a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. And he carries forward, but this ends our reading. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you join with me in a round of sweet, sweet spirit? Marianne, would you lead us? Number 334.
Abel, will you join me together in praying the invitation to the Holy Spirit on 335? O God, the Holy Spirit, come to us and among us. Come as the wind and cleanse us. Come as the fire and burn. Come as the dew and refresh. Convict, convert, and consecrate many hearts and lives to our great good and to thy greater glory. And this we ask for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. My friends, today is the day of Pentecost. It is the day that we celebrate the gift of God's Holy Spirit to the people of God. Now make no mistake, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God, actively and powerfully present in our day-to-day lives, bringing the power and salvation uh, and the transformation of the world. Acts 2 tells the story of this day when the Spirit came. We just read about it. The the believers are baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they break out of their little hiding place where they're safely cloistered away in an upper room. And they bust out into the public square with boldness and the ability to preach the gospel and even miraculously to speak in other languages. It's possible because the Holy Spirit is God present in the world. It is possible because the Spirit's power makes it possible. And so, hear me well here. We celebrate this day not as a memorial of one thing God did one day many years ago. Hey, y'all, you remember when God used to do big things like that? That was neat. Let's remember that together. No, we remember it. We celebrate it. Because the same spirit that was active and powerfully present in the upper room in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2 is the same spirit that is active and present in your life and in the church, in us, through us. God, always present and powerful. I don't know if you know this, but God has never left the premises. I hope that you yearn for the spirit to fill your lives. I hope that you yearn for the Holy Spirit to fill the church. But I also, I think it's my responsibility to warn you. Listen, I don't know any other way to say this, so what do we just shoot straight, Brian? Is that what I should do? I'm just going to say it like it is. The Holy Spirit makes a mess. Just be careful because the Holy Spirit makes quite a big mess. I mean, that's what happened in the scripture. All of the Christians gathered together in a house. They're all gathered there because seven weeks ago Jesus died and all of the people that are gathered together, well, uh, they might be dangerous and if I was with Jesus, they might want to get me too. So they're cloistered together in this house. Jesus had died and he had rose again, praise the Lord. And he had even eaten with them and that was cool. But then he went and ascended into heaven. What are we going to do now? What, what do we do now? So they sit there in the house. I have to ask you, have any of you ever met a nervous cleaner? Anybody? Maybe you are a nervous cleaner, and there's no judgment here. We all need nervous cleaners in our house. In fact, come to my house. I'll make you nervous. You can help me clean it. There's nothing to do, so you're, and you're waiting for something, but you can't do anything, and you have no control over anything at all. So you, so you do the dishes, or you organize the pictures, or you scrub the floors, just something, so you can have something to do. You have no control over any of your situation, but by golly, with all the Brillo pads in your kitchen sink, you can control that pile of dishes. And so there goes every ounce of desire for control right there, scrubbing the dishes until they shine. 
boy, you done it. I mean, I get that. That urge to do something. And I also get the cleaning thing because they tell me a messy environment leads to messy thinking. That uh, who's really happy in a, in a messy room? For those of you into the whole productivity coach thing, uh, they'll tell you if you work in an office and you're stuck uh, thinking about something, clean your desk because a clean desk equals a clean mind. Hasn't worked for me, but praise the Lord. Or maybe, maybe Marie Kondo has told you that if you just get rid of everything that doesn't spark joy, you'll have more space in your life. Our environments around us can affect where we are. Clean up the mess. Clean up the mess. Give me back a sense of control. That's really what we see happening in that upper room in Jerusalem. Let's clean up our mess so we can have a little bit of control. They're sitting there in that upper room. They've been praying continuously, but you know, sometimes you just feel the urge to do something when you can't do anything. And so Peter stands up. He says, I've got it. We've got a mess on our hands. We are short an apostle, and we've got to fill that role. Because Jesus, who had betrayed Jesus, or Judas, who had betrayed Jesus, felt guilty, and he had taken his own life. And so now they've got an open spot, and that's something. Listen, that's something we could take care of right here and now. We can fill an empty spot, and we can hang our heads high at the end of the day and said, we did a lot today, didn't we, ladies and gentlemen? And so they hold nominations. They uh, pray, and they, and they come up with some guys that might do the trick. So then they cast lots, which is like uh, drawing straws or rolling dice with the conviction that the result is God's choice. And so they pick a man named Matthias, and boy, are they happy. They got a lot done. Now, Matthias might have joined the, uh, drawn the short straw, and he also got the short end of the deal because he's one of the few of the Christian leaders that's never mentioned again in the New Testament. Poor guy. Was he a good pick? I don't know. I don't know anything about him. Except Christian tradition tells us that maybe he's the one who brought the gospel to Ethiopia. So there's that. So, you know, good choice or not, stellar choice or not, they'd achieve their goal. We cleaned up a little bit of the mess. That's fantastic. And I can imagine that after they'd actually done something, that maybe that tension of waiting started to ooze out of the room. They can do this. We've got more control of our situation now. All of the believers are accounted for. All of our leadership roles are filled. The crowd outside is going about their business, paying us no mind, which is fine because we're scared of them anyway. The less we can do to draw attention to ourselves, the better. We're doing a good job. Now, maybe we haven't committed over the last seven weeks to do anything of value, but that's okay because no one's paying us any mind and we've got things under control. Praise the Lord. Don't you just love it when everything's under control? Shouldn't the church just be quiet and, and there should be no, no, no things going on whatsoever, no tension, just keep it under control, nice and laced up in our Sunday best. But no sooner, oh my, this is where I got to tell you, no sooner did they start cleaning up the mess than you'll never guess who decided not to knock on the door, take off their shoes and blow through the place. Here comes the Holy Spirit of God, didn't even ring the doorbell, didn't text ahead of time, didn't call ahead of time. Whoosh, the scripture says, comes through like a mighty rushing wind and fills the place and makes a big old mess out of everything. The scriptures tell us it's like the sound of a mighty rushing wind and all of a sudden there's tongues of fire everywhere. You know, let's keep the fire here, folks. Let's not put it everywhere. The Spirit comes and makes a big old mess. There go all of our neatly stacked nomination forms. All those papers blowing all over the place. Sorry, Holy Spirit, I just brushed my hair. Can you leave it in place? Plants blown over the whole place is a mess. 
And on top of that, it, 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 gets, it gets worse. The Bible says, what looked like tongues of fire appeared and settled on top of them, and then everyone, not just a couple people, everyone started getting up to proclaim the good news and speaking in other languages. Do you even know what you're saying, people? What a disaster. Just a minute ago, it had all been so calm. Peter had it under control. It was so controlled. And now it's a big old mess again. Even their conversations are a mess. What language do they even speak right now? And that's not bad enough. That's not bad enough. It causes a scene. Now, all of a sudden, everybody in Jerusalem is rushing to the commotion like we all rush to the scene of an accident. The Parthians, the Elamites, the Egyptians, the Glenvillites, whoever else is there from all over the world, they hear the Christians speaking in their own languages and they come to one conclusion. Those folks must be drunk. Have you ever heard of a PR nightmare? This is a PR nightmare. They didn't get their branding agent and their advertising agent on board fast enough. All of a sudden, the public opinion has swung against them. Guess what? Followers of Jesus are just drunk. And so all the crowds are muttering and mocking and rubbernecking. It's just a mess. Do you see it? It's just a mess. It had all been neat and tidy. The Christians were just sitting there bothering no one like a good Christian should do, not making any fuss, taking control where they could take control. Just when they thought it was all neatly packaged together, here comes the Holy Spirit to make a mess. And now everyone is watching. All eyes on me. Public opinion had turned against them and their credibility is shot before they even have a chance to make a move. What a mess. I don't think very many people like a mess. You might be a messy person, but I guarantee you probably don't like the mess, but you probably don't find it a mess. You know where everything is in your mess, don't you? So nobody really likes a mess. Go, go for example, into a messy restaurant and see how many people have decided to take their food to go instead of sit down and eat it. Nobody really likes a mess. This happens to me all the time. When I travel, I travel with three kids. We got to stop and go to the bathroom every four and a half minutes. And how many gas stations am I passing by till I look at one that looks like they've got a clean enough restroom to send my kids into? No one likes a mess. And, and it's bad enough when your space is messy. What about when our lives are messy? I hate to tell you this. I've learned this in my 10 years of pastoral experience. Life isn't always neat and tidy. Things can get cluttered and stained and confused. And what do we do then? Do we avoid the hard choices of life and try to grasp for control wherever we can? And, and what about when other people suffer? Do we just say, sorry about that. Oh, that's rough, but my environment is very neat and controlled and I don't really need a mess right now. I mean, it's hard enough to keep our own lives neat and tidy, let alone uh, dealing with uh, somebody's financial troubles or marriage issues or grief. Control is good, people. But no one likes a mess. So there's a mess there in Jerusalem. Peter, on that Pentecost day, after having tried to clean it up, he stands up once again. And he surveys that big giant mess. Look at what the Holy Spirit did. He stripped away our control, caused all this chaos, put us in a position we were not yet ready for. Look at this mess. But it must be different this time. This must be the time. This must be the moment that Peter must stop trying to control things. Stop trying to clean things up. This must be the time that Peter enters the mess. And so Peter jumps headlong into the chaos and takes a risk. 
He enters the mess. He doesn't clean it up right there in front of what we might consider, Richard, agree with me or not, an unfriendly crowd, and preaches the good news of Jesus Christ, who they had just, you know, seen murdered. Peter, right there, enters the mess. And you know what he discovers when he preaches the word of God? That it's not really a mess at all. It looks more like new birth. It looks more like life. Yes, the Holy Spirit had shaken things up. Yes, the Holy Spirit had made quite a mess out of the believer's tidy little comfort zone. But it was all for this. It was all to bring new birth. A new birth is messy at first, but boy, does it bring joy beyond imagination. And so Peter stands and preaches, and 3,000 people in that crowd profess their faith in Jesus Christ and are baptized. So yes, the Holy Spirit made a mess, and the Holy Spirit led Peter into that mess. And out of that mess, the Holy Spirit brought life. Life. People's lives can be messy. Our lives can be messy. Situations can be confusing, but it's Pentecost. And this day reminds us that even just for a little bit, let go of control. Our sense of control is a sham anyway. Just let go of control just enough to enter the mess, to be with people in the mess, because the Holy Spirit brings life out of the mess. And my prayer is that we know on this Pentecost day that the same spirit that blew through the upper room in Jerusalem many years ago, the same spirit fills our lives and our world. And I pray that the church here and everywhere would emerge from its carefully controlled, neatly packaged hiding places to follow the spirit into the messiness of the world. Do not resist. Do not try to control. Just yield and let it go. And watch God prove Ephesians 3.20 to be true, that he is the God who can do abundantly far beyond anything you could ever ask or imagine. Amen? You might have the power to reorganize things. Oh, and you might be darn good at it. You might be the one we call to tidy things up a little bit, but the Holy Spirit has the power to bring new life. Enter the mess and watch the Spirit of God bring life out of the chaos. May it be so for us. Let's pray together. O Spirit of God, come and fill us fresh. Spirit of God, convict us and comfort us and call us, consecrate us and call us together. May we, O God, yield all of our control to you. That we might follow you when it's uncomfortable. That we might follow you when it's scary. That we might follow you when we don't know what to do. That we might have a chance to be a part of and to witness the Spirit of God bring new life into this world. Amen. Amen. I'd like to